welcome back to another episode of In-Depth. My name is Luke Hardaker and I'm a surf coach at Ombi. If you're new to Ombi, we take a look at surfing from the perspective of ocean, mind, body and equipment. In this podcast, it's all about straight to the point tips, things that you can take away, implement into your surfing or things that change the way you view your surfing. And this week, I wanted to cover beginners. I've done a lot of podcasts. They lie somewhere in between covering everything, covering something specifically, no skill level particular. And I thought there's quite a few beginner podcast episode suggestions coming through, through the community. So why not? So starting off, like always, I'll ask a question, get you thinking about your own surfing. Do you feel that sometimes surfing is just a struggle, but you fall in love with it, but just not those struggles? Do you wish you could spend more time actually surfing and less time flailing about feeling tired and battered and bruised while other surfers just make it look easy? So this week, I'm going to be diving into some of those struggles and packing as much information as I can for one guide for beginners. It's also going to be aimed at those surfers just beyond learning to catch waves and whitewash. This isn't just how to get started. This is more in-depth in terms of how to get out the back. So whether you say getting out or in, it doesn't really matter. For a beginner, not being able to get out the back can be a depressing feeling like you aren't good enough. To fix this problem and prevent being stuck inside, copping all the waves on your head, starts before you even get wet. Start every surf by taking those five minutes to stop, watch the surf, and try and figure out what's going on. And this starts with ignoring all the other surfers. Just imagine they aren't there. Forget them. They're just going to complicate it. You want to be looking for where the waves are breaking, how they're coming into the beach. Are they breaking right, left, or both ways? And which way breaks better? How they're breaking, does it peel and crumble or does it run and stand up and suddenly break? The first few times this will feel confusing and you'll be none the wiser, but make a guess at what you think's going on. If you're, if you're right, fantastic. If you're wrong, you'll figure it out in the lineup. This is questions you should ask every time, that series of questions. Just sit there, watch it, have a go. After that, you should have a rough idea of the conditions. Look at the crowd and see if the crowd is positioned in the right spot. Often you'll find around half of the surfers out there are just sitting around splashing in the water, not paddling for waves, and they're confused what to do. A lot of those surfers are way too deep on the shoulder. They're too far out, nowhere near the takeoff spot. This moment is your chance to identify those surfers and what's going on. You may see surfers you want to be near, as they seem to be constantly getting the right waves, and you may see a group of surfers that you don't want to be near. The very last thing to consider and look for is the biggest thing that will help you get out the back of the surf, and that's to identify the flow of water going back out to sea, or what the easiest path to paddle out is. And it's huge. Most beginners just paddle out in a straight line to where they want to sit, straight through all the whitewash, and take a beating getting out, out there using most of their energy. What you want to do is use the currents and rips to get to where you want to be. 
what you're looking for is water moving sideways and outwards. Sideways movement of water will be a current and it can be caused by the tide and wind. This is a topic for another discussion, but there is a period of slack water when the tide is very still and a period when the tide will not just rise or drop, but move the water across the beach. So tides can play an impact in those currents. A rip is seen easiest by looking for where the waves are breaking. And at the edge of that area, you may notice a place of deep water or where the waves are constant, consistently not breaking. As water comes into the beach, it will need to find a way back out to sea. This is what makes up part of a rip and we used to quickly get out the back. You want to be looking for this area where there isn't waves breaking and there's a flow of water going back out. Sometimes it's not so clear, sometimes it's super obvious. Some beaches, it's relatively always in the same spot. So if you can identify it, make it easier on yourself, see that water flowing back out, you can use that as a path to get back out. If you're stuck in a rip, trying to get into the beach, don't paddle against it and just don't stay in the rip. If you paddle back out and you're sitting in the lineup, don't stay in the rip either. You want to paddle out of it. Otherwise, it's going to keep dragging you out to sea. Use it to get you out and then paddle sideways across the rip to where you want to be. Always be conscious of picking a spot on the beach to line up with prior to paddling out and any rip or cone will be obvious as you move away from that marker. Even if there isn't an obvious rip, where the waves break the least or deep water, it's going to be your easiest place to paddle. Just identify that path and get out. It's going to be easier to paddle a longer distance than it is to go through all the waves. If you're surfing a point break, you're going to want to paddle wide of the break if you can, but sometimes at some points, the quickest path is through, whereas wide will just put you 20 meters down the point but out the back, making you paddle up the point. Point breaks are a little bit different sometimes. If you've done your time observing the wave, after you've caught a wave, you want to remember it. Note the, uh, the tides will change the conditions and you want to keep an eye on how it changes. If there was an easier path back out, paddle back to that spot if it's close by. The problem most beginners face is they don't know how to get out of the inside section. They can't duck dive, or they can't duck dive consistently. And it feels like it's one step forwards and two steps back every time a wave comes and hits them. This results in most beginners forcing their way through the whitewash and sets with brute force, which only gets you tired quickly. You want to surf smarter, not harder. You want to read the waves coming in and wait for a break between the sets to time your paddle out. Don't fight it out against it, wait for them to stop, and then paddle quickly through the smaller waves or the lull. If during this stage of waiting, you can stand on the sandbank, do this. Keep your board next to you and guide it over or under the waves, depending on your board size. What this does is it helps you keep your place. If you lay on your board and you don't paddle, you're just gonna get pushed back. But if you stand on the bank, you can slowly walk forwards, gaining ground, and then jump over or under a wave and pull your board with you. This helps conserve so much energy and time. Your legs don't get that tired, so it gives your arms a break. If there's a big current, be aware of that you may be being pushed off the bank or to somewhere down the beach.
that should be enough to help you start figuring out how to get back out. Spend those five minutes just observing the waves, find a path out, and wait for the lulls to then use your energy. And now I'm going to keep moving on to a couple different topics. These are all going to be shorter, but it's going to be a lot of other common questions that don't get answered quite often for a beginner. I'm going to start with what boards to ride. And for most beginners, even if you're sitting at the back, it's generally always easy and best just to be on a foamy. And these surfboards aren't just for riding whitewash. They're going to catch a wave easily. They're going to give you good stability and balance while also taking some of that fear away. If you have a long board or another board, that's fine. Work with what you have, but don't struggle to be afraid to go back to a softboard. Most longboards, eight feet or longer is great, but you can still use a lot of boards in the mid to high seven feet. What you're mainly looking for is a board that has a decent length while also being wide and thick. The wider and thicker it is, the more balance and stability it will give you to nail that pop up and get into waves. Foamies will still turn, they're a little bit harder, and there's going to be an upcoming episode all about foamies and when to chain it up your board as you progress. Etiquette is a difficult topic for a lot of people, and they're never really sure what is what and what to do. And there's a whole other guide on etiquette here, and it covers the majority of what you need to know. So you can go find that podcast episode. However, there are still some things a beginner can add to that list. And that's to understand who you're surfing with, what they're doing, how they're surfing, and what level are they roughly at. If you're surfing with mostly only beginners, it's great. It's easy for everyone. When it's a mix of abilities, when you have to be a bit more aware, and the above previously mentioned etiquette guide is what you want to check. Always look to your inside and check if you're going to be dropping in on another surfer before you decide to take the wave. Just remember, there's nothing wrong with having a look at the menu, have a paddle, and see if the other person wants the wave before you just give up on it and don't even try. But here's the beginner-focused etiquette where some of these rules change or you can kind of bend them. And all this needs to be is that if everyone around you is similar to you or riding the same waves as you and we're all beginners, it kind of tends to become more about party waves. You've got a lot of people going straight. So if all those surfers on your inside and they're only surfing straight, you can't exactly be dropping in on them. If they can't turn and you can't turn, no one's upset. It's when people want to ride along across the face of the wave, when someone's trying to do something different and you get in your way, that's when dropping in becomes an issue. If no one's doing that, go for it. But you have to have observed them before this and you want to see what everyone is doing so if you do do this, you do drop in on them and they did want to drive across the face of the wave, just apologize with the wave, smile and sorry. Most beginners aren't going to be that aggro. They're not going to mind and they like surfing with others similar in their ability. Strike up a chat and ask for a party wave. The other change in rules is if all you're doing is going straight and not riding along the face of the wave, expect that the odd surfer may drop in on you, noting that you are mainly in the whitewash. If you don't want someone to do that and you were trying to go down the line, just give them the eyes or say oi or yeah about a hundred times. Maybe they'll see. But generally people, when they're called out, even subtly just with staring at them, 
they will be like, oh, I don't want to drop in on that person again. And this leads to a whole other topic that beginners and low intermediates don't tend to understand. And it's all about what your body language says about you and others in the surf. And this comes back to etiquette and it's how you observe other surfers, their body language, and what it's going to say about how everyone else should interact. If a beginner is lying down on their board, looking exhausted and struggling, it's unlikely they're going to paddle for a wave. So if a wave comes, go for it. Just keep an eye to see if they're going to go for it or if they're in your inside. If you're thinking about that and seeing that person exhausted, not looking like they're ready to catch a wave, everyone else is thinking the same thing. However, this works both ways. Advanced surfers are going to notice people who look lost, out of place, stressed, or anything else like that. And they're going to quickly write them off when the set waves come. You maybe felt this and been frustrated like they don't give you a chance. It's not your fault, but it's like being in a skate park. If you're standing off to the side, on the grass, and not at the top of the ramp waiting for your turn, looking like you want to roll in, no one's going to assume that you want to skate. Be aware of it, but don't be hard on yourself. Just look the part, look like you want the wave, and other people are going to take note. Body language can be a very subtle way people bully others to catch lots of waves as people just let them do it and don't fight back by applying similar body language. Again, link this back to who you are surrounded by and you start to learn a bit more about etiquette. Who wants to catch a wave and how they behave when the sets come in. If every time sets come in, that person paddles out to the horizon, ignore them and assume they probably won't go for it. Just keep your eyes on the inside to make sure you don't drop in on them. I don't want you to freak out about body language and how you appear to others, but something to just be aware of that if you're getting frustrated and people aren't letting you get a waves, think what signals are you sending to them? Are you putting yourself in position? Are you trying to paddle and have a go? Because if you're the one on the inside and they're dropping in on you and you're having a look and you look serious like you want to catch the wave, then most people will pull out. But if you don't look like you even want the wave and they're taking it seriously and you're not, People will look at you and write you off. So it's just something to be aware of. Don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Just put more effort into catching a wave and sell it that to the other people there in the competition that you want it. I will add to that final part. Do not oversell it that you end up stress paddling or doing something you don't want to do. You just want to take it casual, but you're making a considered effort to take a wave or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And this pulls me again to something that beginners do in this whole concept of catching waves and other people going for it. And it's, I want you to stop pulling out of waves because you think the other person is better. And it really frustrates me with beginners. Too often a beginner won't catch a wave because some other surfer was there and they felt they didn't belong or the other person was a better surfer and they shouldn't take the wave. That is so silly. For most breaks you surf, it's not going to be the case. Unless it's a reef break and a matter of safety, just stop this. And it's surprisingly common how many beginners go through this. If it's you, don't feel ashamed, don't feel bad. Just be like, cool, I'm going to stop that. That's all it needs to be. 
if you're out surfing, you have the inside, you're closer to the peak, you have priority. You are most likely surfing with other beginners and they feel similar. Take it, the wave's yours, even if that other surfer is better, even if you're not at all beginners. If you're on the inside, you've got priority. If you're having a go to catch that wave, it's yours. Don't pull out because someone's gonna drop in on you. Take the wave. What you'll be surprised with is if you're surfing with other learners or other beginners or low intermediates, they're mostly feeling the same thing and the same thoughts. Just get out of your head of not belonging or not deserving a wave, whatever that is. These are just bad excuses you make to not catch up with wave. It has nothing to do with being a nice person. Which, leading on from that, also links back to localism. And it's localism can be really tough. And there's not much you can do about it. To be honest, there's not much you want to do about it. Just be aware of localized spots that are famous. But to be honest, unless it's a big tourist spot, localism isn't so obvious when every break is crowded these days. If you know a spot is localized, maybe skip it. But otherwise, if you want to surf it, if it's a remote place, and even if there's only five, six guys, just don't rock up in a big group of five or six people and paddle out together. Stagger that paddle out if you're going to do it. Don't all show up together. Put a couple minutes between everyone paddling out. If you ever worry, just smile, strike up a conversation and bring positive and welcome energy. Let them have a wave. Tell them to take the next one. Tell them they can take a set, whatever it is, but don't let them bully you. You just need to be a nice presence to be around out in the surf that contributes to that. You don't need to say anything at all. You just need to let them do whatever it is they're going to do and not get caught up in any of their localism. That's it. I know some people listening to this podcast would probably want more on localism in the whole episode, but... My personal opinion is just to not get involved. It's like someone behaving stupidly at the supermarket. You could say something and it could go bad. You could just ignore that person, paddle down the beach, go to another aisle. There's so many options to just exclude that. And sometimes just smiling and trying to make that person a friend. If you've moved to another beach, just go there and continue to be friendly to these people. And if they're gonna respond in negativity, then that's their problem and they must be a lovely person to be around. So just ignore it. Give localism all that it's worth. There are spots that you need to pay your respect and you need to pay your dues. But for the average surfer, a standard beach break isn't it. There's no big rules or anything like that. It's a beach. It hasn't got some crazy surf. You're not at risk of hurting most people. Just common sense applies there. And the final thing, the final like tip that I want to give to beginners that doesn't really come up that often is to learn to fall and relax on the wiper. And there's a whole other guide. There's a whole other podcast episode on learning to fall. And if you aren't comfortable falling, you aren't comfortable surfing. Same thing with wiping out and surfing bigger waves, managing those fears. I encourage you to go listen to those two podcasts. It's all about expanding your comfort zone. And this begins with more and more exposure. Again, this is a whole other topic for a future podcast, but I want you to remember that, that if there's something uncomfortable, if there's something that you want to push yourself into, you have to increase your exposure to it and keep chipping away at that. The more you do it, the more time you spend in those conditions that make you feel uneasier, the sooner they will make it feel like the new normal.
So in summary, this episode's been a bit more, kind of more like a Q&A based episode with multiple different topics. But I want you to every surf, spend the time to observe it. Read how the waves are breaking. Who is surfing them? Where is the peak? And if half of that crowd is even trying to catch those waves, because generally half the crowd isn't. They're too busy on the shoulder, finding around, flailing somewhere, splashing water. When you start doing this every surf, you will start noticing how much competition you actually have for waves. After that, look for the easiest path out to the back. Currents will create a sweep sideways across the beach and a rip going out will help you get out the back faster. Just then remember to paddle out of the rip to the takeoff spot. Use a marker, keep note of where you are in the lineup. Conserve your energy when paddling back out. Wait for sets to settle and then paddle to get out. While waiting it out, if your feet can touch, you'll hold your position on the bank better. Just pull your board over under the waves as you try to wait for a gap. Remember etiquette. But if everyone else is a beginner and everyone else is going straight and not across the wave, the rules change. Think about who you're surfing with. And if you're only going straight, remember someone may take off next to you and ride down the wave. If you're surfing with more advanced surfers, remember what your body language says about you and them. Other surfers will use everyone else's body language to see who is doing what, who they can drop in on, who will even bother to go for a set, etc. It's annoying, but it's always going to happen. And lastly, stop making excuses to not catch a wave because someone else paddled for it, but they were on your outside, or you thought that they were better, or you thought that you didn't deserve it and they did. Just take the wave. If you have priority based on position, it's yours. The standard rules apply to everyone. If you want to improve your surfing, we have a whole six-week training program for beginners. You can follow along step-by-step. Step. And then after that, we also have our intermediate 12-week training program, along with a whole host of other training programs where you can start a free trial, seven days, at train.onby.co. If you've been enjoying these podcasts that mean the world, share it with a friend, leave a review, all of that. Or this episode here came straight from our audience submission. There'll be a link in the show notes below. You can leave a suggestion for a future episode. I'd love to know. I do go through those questions and start coming up with more podcast episodes. So does this help get over some of the more nuanced struggles as a beginner? Other than just the pop-up, catching a wave, the typical things we all see. Has it helped make parts of surfing seem easier for you? I'd love to know. You can reach out anytime, message me in the app, or send me an email to info.onbee.co anytime. And next week, I'm going to be covering everything regarding angling the takeoff. So until then, I'll see you next time.